Howdy folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the show where we build a complete campaign for you from scratch that you can run for your group starting tonight. This season we've been building for the Deadlands Classic System, so if you need the books, specifically the Player's Guide and Marshall's Handbook, you can either check out your friendly used bookshop or used game shop, or pick up the PDFs online from the Pinnacle Entertainment website, peginc.com. Now, normally I'd be talking about what we did last week and what we're building this week, but as you might remember, last week we built out the end of our campaign. Hopefully your group is still standing tall, or at least still standing. If not, I empathize with them because I've had that happen to me as a player more than once and as a GM more than once. Season 2 will kick off in a few weeks, and maybe the change in game will improve everyone's moods. So, since we're not building more campaign this week, I decided to break this show into two parts. The first part covers what you can do with your group if you want to stretch out the campaign for a bit longer past what we built, and part two is going to cover the campaign build post-mortem so we can discuss what worked and didn't work during the build. Now, with that all said, let's get to it. The campaign's complete, but you're not sure what you want to do for the next few weeks until we get the Fallout campaign started. What do you do? One option would be to keep running your players through Deadlands. I mean, you've got the players, they've got the characters, probably, so why not keep using them? Granted, if you've got a lot of dead characters on your hands, this this might be an issue, but even then there are ways to get around it. Chief among them being to have the players involved create new characters of the same approximate levels of those still alive. This would be a good time for the player to experiment with something different than their initial character, especially since it's going to only be for a few sessions or so. Once you've got that worked out, talk to your group. What do they see these characters doing next? I know from listening to some of the chatter with my group that a few of them are thinking about rebuilding Triumph. That's a pretty interesting couple of sessions when you think about it. I mean, the characters will have to figure out how to purchase or otherwise acquire the building materials they'll need to rebuild the town. They'll also need to decide which of them want to own businesses in town, who wants to be the law, if any, and figure out the other jobs in town that need to be filled. They'll also need to clean up, clean out the mines if they plan to use them. They'll also need to make deals with farmers around the county if they want fresh foods. Plus, they'll need to get out and advertise that the town's being rebuilt so they can try to draw in citizens. You could also throw in some random bandit parties trying to raid the newly acquired supplies, some walking dead who didn't get the memo about the group's win, or some shady sheriff's deputies who'd like Triumph to remain six feet under. Needless to say, the possibilities with something like this are endless. So if this is what your group wants to do, scratch out some notes and run with it if you want. I would also note that Pinnacle Entertainment Group has a number of great adventures available through their website, and any of those would be perfect for running your group through for a couple of weeks if they want to keep playing their characters, but you don't know what you'd like to run. Check out the website, find one you'd like, and get it. They don't cost a whole lot, and the beauty is you can run them again for your group later on when they've got different characters, and they probably won't remember it. You could also decide to create your own short adventure for the group. Maybe you've looked at some of the stuff we built here and found threads you'd like to expand on. Maybe you've looked at some of the stuff we built here and decided it sucked and you could do better. In all honesty, you're probably right, so why not do it here? Take your idea, work it into a playable scenario or two, and run your group through it. For me, 
I'm not doing any of those things. My current plan is to finish up the campaign tomorrow night, then work on building Fallout characters with my group. We're adding yet another member to the group for Season 2, so even though we're doing a Session 0, I want to get going on characters as soon as possible so we can run a practice session or two before we get into what we're going to build for Season 2 of the show. Now, that being said, if we work through all of that and still haven't gotten to January, which is when my group will start running the content we produce, I'll probably run a one-shot of some type, and I'll get into those during next week's postmortem for my game. Speaking of postmortems, let's get into ours for the build. Since I intend to spend a lot of time talking about all the mistakes I think I made during the build, I only think it's fair to spend a little time first talking about the things I think we did well. I think the build of the City of Triumph went really well. I mean, it should have with the amount of time we took to build it. I liked the detail we went into with the various businesses, the folks running them, and detailing some of the citizens of the town. It did exactly what I'd hoped it would do, and that was to draw the group into the goings-on around town and get their buy-in for the various plot hooks we dropped in during the early parts of the campaign. Now, it could be said that we could have done more here, but I think that on my end, I did as much as I thought we'd need for the campaign and left some things open for you to use in the way you felt worked best for you. The initial adventure in Denver was also a plus in my book. Again, we took the time to think out the group's various adventures in the city, who they were going after, and how they'd do it. We also built in some distractions to keep them busy and perhaps even distract them from the tasks at hand. I'll admit that I got a bit silly at times with it, but insofar as laying out an adventure in an established city, I thought Denver went pretty well. I'd say the same thing about the adventure at the plantation in Little Rock. We wrote that out to be a lot more complex than it was when my group ran through it, but I'll touch on that point next week. Our build forced your group to think things out pretty thoroughly before taking action, and it was probably the first time we put them into a situation where it was very possible they could fail. To me, that was a great point to ratchet up the intensity a bit and see how the group would respond. There were some other individual moments that I thought went well during the build. The meeting of Alexis Miranda in Dodge City, some of the moments in Albuquerque, the ranch in Billings, and maybe the setup in Wyoming. But those were some individual moments during larger sessions, and while they were good, some of the other parts of those sessions weren't as good as I'd have liked them to be. So, let's look at things that I didn't like and discuss how I'd change them if I had them to do over again. And yes, I am exceptionally hard on myself. I want everything I do to be perfect, and if it isn't, I spend a lot of time kicking myself. The first mistake is one that came from the very beginning of creating the campaign itself. No endgame. When I first decided I wanted to run a Deadlands game, I envisioned it as a straight-up Western game early on, then slowly bringing in the weirdness of the system so as not to overwhelm the group too early. Through all of that, though, I had no idea how I wanted the game to end. Granted, I didn't necessarily need an overarching big bad evil guy for the group to deal with. I could have just strung together a series of small scenarios and had the group deal with each of them in turn, with the difficulty of them increasing as we went along. And if I'd just done that, I think I'd have been happier with the overall campaign. However, I didn't do that. Instead, I decided at some point that I wanted to link together the multiple bad guys the group was running into into some sort of evil organization, like Hydra from Marvel or the Lannisters from Game of Thrones. And again, that could have worked if I'd slowed down a bit, let the bad guys I was introducing really work to prove their worth to the group, and to show how much of a force they could be before moving on to the next. Again, I didn't do that. Once I threw out the first group, I pretty much went from Coulson and his group of baddies directly into the board. 
And once we started down that path, it basically became the board member of the week for the group to face and take down. I didn't give each board member enough time to really show why they were supposed to be so bad and why the group should care about them. Let me take a minute to explain that in another way. To me, the relationship of the protagonist of a story should work like this. Who is this person? What do they do? Why should I care about them? Why should I care about what they're doing? Why is it bad? Why does that matter to me? And why should I want to deal with them? And most importantly, why is what they're doing any of my business at all? If you go back over the various episodes, I didn't do this very much, if at all. And when I did do it, I don't think I did it as well as I could have. I think if I'd taken the time to really work up some background on the various board members, I could have made the various segments of the campaign involving them last a lot longer and be a lot more satisfying to the group overall. Now, maybe your group liked what we did. Thank them for me if they did. Personally, I find myself annoyed when I look at what we did, and since it came from my mind, I'm annoyed with myself as well. There are some specifics to this that I wanted to drill down on a bit, so I hope you'll stick with me while I do it. The first is that I think I tended to ramble on when we weren't dealing with a bad guy. What I mean by that is I tended to sort of gloss over the non-action parts of the game only to really get detailed when the group was going after one of those big bad guys. And that did your group a disservice. Had I brought a bit more to the table on those, those could have had as much of a chance to shine as the combat intensive parts of the game, and it would have provided you with more opportunities to work on some of the backstories from your players. That leads to another point I wanted to make here. Some of the situations we came up for this campaign felt forced. They came from basically jumping from one board member to another. I'll get more into that statement next week, but Jim basically pointed it out in character when he returned to the game. Things felt forced. He told me it felt like the group was basically getting yanked around from one thing to the next without really having options. And he wasn't wrong. The way we set this up, we were basically dragging the group around on a leash, force-feeding them what we wanted them to do and who we wanted them to do it to. Again, if more time had been spent filling in the blanks and borders, we could have set up situations where the group had more autonomy in what they did. And I think the buy-in would have felt more natural and less forced. And that leads to the last point I wanted to make on this part. When the hunt for board members began, we literally went from member to member to member. The group didn't have to hunt and search for the people they needed because details for the next member either came from the one they'd just taken care of or from their benefactor. While some groups not only appreciate that style of storytelling but need it, others prefer the hunt for the information as much as the hunt for the bad guy. So if I had to do it over again, I'd have made it a lot harder for the group to figure out who they needed to go after next. Or at the very least, I'd have made them a heck of a lot harder to find once they knew who they were. I mean, we gave the group a name and a city. The group went to that city, found the person they needed fairly quickly, then dealt with them and moved on to the next target. Again, if we'd made them work a bit harder for it, we might have told a better story overall. Another personal complaint I had about this campaign is the overuse of character templates. First off, I kept referring to the Law Dog template, especially in the later episodes. The problem is, is that there isn't a Law Dog template. There's a Sheriff template, a Man in Black template, and a Texas Ranger template, but no Log Dog. That's just flat-out laziness on my part, and you unfortunately paid the price for it. What I should have done is create more original characters, either on the podcast itself or as YouTuber website exclusives. That would have given the characters a bit more of a personalized feel, and I think it would have lent itself to better storytelling, especially because having unique characters would have forced me to come up with more interesting or challenging scenarios for them. 
that would have in turn slowed the pace down a bit and would have provided more of that potential buy-in for the players. While we're talking about characters, let's talk about names. There are two specific points I wanted to make here. The first is that I wasn't as careful as I should have been in naming characters. Two specific examples of this are when I named the Texas Ranger Alexis Mendez, then several episodes later named the main character in Dodge City Alexis Miranda. While some would excuse this, I think having two women with almost exactly the same name is pretty sloppy creative on my part. The same can be said for having Shelby Green and Shelby Simmons practically on top of each other in the same scenario. Lazy creative on my part. And since we're talking about names, how about those nicknames for the board? <laughs> Don't get me started on the gingerbread man. My group still laughs about that one and gives me grief. It's another time I should have taken more time to work through code names and come up with something a bit more specific to what the characters actually did. And I think if I'd made individual characters for them, it would have forced me to get more creative with the nicknames. I also wanted to speak on inclusion here. While you might have done the right thing and been more inclusive, I wasn't. I'd meant to be and had hinted at it on more than one occasion, but I felt as even when I was trying to be inclusive, I might have leaned a little too close to stereotypes and not enough towards individuality. So that's something else I want to be more aware of moving forward. Okay, let me bring up one more point and then I'll stop beating myself up. In my opinion, I rushed the ending for the campaign. Now we can go back through the post-mortem and see why a lot of that happened, but even though I didn't slow down enough through a lot of the campaign, I could have and should have slowed down the hunt for Ed Stewart and made him a lot harder to find. I mentioned last week that I'd originally intended for him to be in New Orleans, and in retrospect, I probably should have stayed with that. New Orleans is one of those cities that I could have used to throw a ton of stuff at the group to keep them off balance for a while while they were looking for Stuart, and it still could have made the end of the hunt that much more satisfying for them. Heck, I could have still decided to have him head for Triumph after New Orleans and ended it the way we did. The New Orleans portion of the campaign would have provided the group with more background on the occult as well as some more opportunities for the type of role play that I like to see from my group. So taking it all in, you might be inclined to think the campaign was a disaster. I mean, after all, if I'm ripping it this bad, you must have done something wrong if your group liked it, right? Not so fast. If you'll remember back to something I said a while back, there's one thing that I think makes or breaks your campaign. Did your group have fun? If the group had fun, then the campaign is working. At that point, it doesn't matter how broken you or I think it is. If the group is having fun, then we did our job. What we can do, and it's what I know I have to do, is learn from the mistakes made during the campaign and build on that moving forward. Again, I took the nickname The Bad GM partially as a joke, but partially because even after 40 years, I'm still learning how to be the best GM I can be. I mean, I've only been seriously running games for about 25 years, and I've still got a lot to learn. So some of the best stuff I do isn't going to be Matt Mercer quality, and I know it. My goal is to make my stuff the best stuff I can while still ensuring my group has the most fun they can have at the game table. And truth be told, that should be your goal as well. So that's the postmortem on our campaign build. Next week, we'll devote the entire show to my group as we'll recap their final battle with Ed Stewart. Then I'll postmortem their campaign, especially since they diverged from what we built on more than one occasion. Once that's done, I'll drop in a few ideas for other one-shot games you can play while you wait for Season 2 to drop. In two weeks, we start Season 2 of the show as I start the prep work for our Fallout campaign, and we'll have three episodes of the show setting up the game before we actually start building our campaign. So by my estimation, we should start building the campaign itself either as a part of that third episode, which drops the Friday before Christmas, or for the fourth episode, which drops right before New Year's. 
Anyway, if you're keeping track of what's coming up, that's what the calendar looks like. In the meanwhile, we've got plenty of episodes of role-playing history out there for you to check out. This week, we're deep-diving the Dark Sun campaign setting for Dungeons & Dragons, and while there are a lot of folks who've never heard of it, I personally love to run it. My groups tend to hate it, and I'll explain why during the show. Role-playing history is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. All of the Deadlands classic materials we reference during this show are the trademarked and copyrighted materials of Pinnacle Entertainment Group and are used here for entertainment purposes only. If you're interested in purchasing these or any of their other fine gaming products, check out their website, peginc.com. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's campaign build along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod, on Twitter at Bad GMP, YouTube, it's Bad GM Productions. You can email us, badgmproductions at gmail.com, and online, our website is badgmproductions.net. Next week, we wrap up my group's campaign and do a post-mortem. And for the record, I'll probably be as critical of that as I was of this, but at least it'll be a learning experience for both of us. That's next week, though. Until then, I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table. Bye.